Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The other thing they had at this show, they had the Royal Canadian Mounties. And of course, they what, were both in what uniform. What expo did you go to with the Mounties no, and a piece of cabbage no, no, were running no, no, around? No, 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 no. This is, this is a huge food show in Japan, right? It's, it's a huge food show in Japan. But what was interesting was they were in full uniform and at the, they, they were the entrance Wait, of the, the Canadian, Canadian Mounties Pavilion. Mounties were at the kimchi show? No, no, no. No, they, no, it's the same show. It's a huge show. It's all, I forget, they the, have like huge food expo in, in outside of Tokyo, okay? So the Canadian Pavilion. The Venn diagram of all of this doesn't make any sense. I'm going to tie it all together. I'm going to just give me a minute to get a bow around it. Give me a minute to get a bow around it. All right. All right well, so, okay, go ahead. I'm Charlie Arnott with Look East and the Center for Food Integrity, dedicating my career to keeping food trustworthy. And I'm Susan Schwally, president of the food and beverage practice at the MPD Group. I'm fascinated by why people eat and drink what they do. And I'm Kevin Ryan, your resident food nerd and founder of Malachi Strategy and Research. I've developed innovation and strategy for dozens of CPG brands from Annie's to Ole El Paso. And we are the three squares, dishing on the food industry. We're uncovering the interesting stories in food and talking to today's movers and shakers like Anton Vincent joining the show today. He is North American president of Mars Wrigley. So Susan, how was the Snacks and Sweets Expo? Did you enjoy Chicago food and drink while you were there? Kevin, you didn't even get it right. It's the Sweets, it's the NCA Sweets and Snacks Expo. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so you get to see a lot of the big trends. Everything's about net zero sugar. Everything's salted caramel, you know, low carb. Did you get a lot of swag? I got bags of swag. (laughs) Susan, give me the highlights from your swag bag. What's the best? Well, so here's the deal, Charlie. I like the hue chocolate. Super delicious. The the salty dark chocolate's awesome. They have a cashew butter chocolate also. Uh, There was a small company there that was making puffs. Really interesting, both as snacks or they could be crunched up. And you could use, um, you know, you could bread chicken with it. And it was all about high protein, low carb. Mm. All the big guys were there. Um, you know, with all their new products, um, lint, fairly traditional in the chocolate space, oat milk, chocolate. How was it? Well, they were not sampling heavily. They did not have that one. So I, it's, it's out and I need to, I need to buy and try it. Are they keep it behind glass? Is that what it was? Is there an oat milk shortage? So they can't put it in the chocolate. I, I don't know why they didn't have the oat milk, but I'll tell you, Hershey was like handing out full tabs of like full Lily's chocolate bars, full yeah. Cadbury um, raspberry dark chocolate, German chocolate cake bars, you know, uh, um, Reese's peanut butter cups that were green for Halloween, uh, you know, on the cup. Oh yeah. It's a, a quest was there, you know, quest bars. Yeah. Protein, high protein. They're all into, um, they're making net zero sugar peanut butter cups. So if you want your peanut butter cups, but you want them to be healthy and they have 11 grams of protein. So there's all kinds of these mashups going on around sweet and indulgence and, and fun. And yeah, it's snacking's hot. It's on fire. There were a lot of mascots this year, too. I just wanted you to know. That's new. I got picture with the fruit stripe horse. I got Tony the tiger. I got the Pringles dude. I got kid Twinkie. I got a jelly belly. I got them all. 
M&M's. I have my picture with a kimchi mascot from, from a food show in Japan. Has anybody else had their photo taken with a kimchi mascot? I'm not even sure. Is it a big, is it a big piece of cabbage? It was. It was a big piece of cabbage. It kind of, kind of a pointy at the top. And Mr. Kimchi, he was there. I'll, I'll, I'll pull up the photo and I'll send it to you. But yeah, with Mr. Kimchi, he was very interesting. I think I, I, think I want to see the fruit stripe horse more than the kimchi cabbage guy. The fruit stripe horse is pretty cool. Well, the other thing they had at this show, they had the Royal Canadian Mounties. <laughs> and of course, they were both in uniform. What expo did you go to with the Mounties and a piece of cabbage were running around? No, 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 no. <laughs> this, is, this is a huge food show in Japan, right? It's, it's a huge food show in Japan. But, but what was interesting was they were in full uniform and at the they, they were the entrance of the Canadian Pavilion. Wait, the Canadian Mounties were at the kimchi show? Or these separate shows? <laughs> no, no, no. No, they, no, it's the same show. It's a huge show. It's all, I forget that they have like huge food expo in, in outside, outside of Tokyo. Okay. So the Canadian pavilion. <laughs> the Venn diagram of all of this doesn't make any sense. I'm going to tie it all together. I'm going to just give me a minute to get a bow around it. Give me a minute to get a bow around it. All right. It, all right? Well, okay. Go so, ahead. All right. All right. So they had, they had the Royal Canadian Mounties, a, a very attractive man and a very attractive woman in their uniforms. So that was the draw to get them to come to the Canadian Food Pavilion was they could stand next to a Mountie and get their photo taken. Right. So they, in essence, were the mascot for the Canadian Food Pavilion, much like Mr. Kim Chi was for okay. whatever brand of Kim okay. Chi that happened to be. Got it. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you had a good time at the at the at the snacks and sweet expo. Sweet and snacks, uh, which is a great transition. Sweets and snacks. Sweets and sweets snacks. snacks and sweet or sweets and snacks. Sweets sweet and snacks. Sweets and snacks. Get it right, Charlie. Sweets and <laughs> snacks, which is appropriate because we're going to segue into Anton Vincent, our upcoming guest. <laughs> our table discussion with Anton Vincent of Mars Wrigley is next. At General Mills, we know it's not just what we make, but how we make it that matters. We take care in selecting the ingredients behind our beloved brands, such as Cheerios, Nature Valley, Old El Paso, Haagen-Dazs, and Annie's. And we go further by working every day to alleviate hunger, slow climate change, and strengthen communities. Today, that's what it means to make food the world loves. Learn more at GeneralMills.com. Anton Vincent serves as the president of Mars Wrigley North America. Anton is accountable for all aspects of the multi-billion dollar treats and snacks, including chocolate gum, mints, fruity confections, salty snacks, ice cream, licensing, all related channels, businesses and manufacturing supply for 21 affiliated countries. He leads the cross-segment Regional Presidents Council and is the principal Mars leadership voice for industry and regulatory matters in the U.S., and before joining Mars, Anton was a CEO of GreenCore PLC, and he spent 20 years at General Mills, leading three divisions to record high financial performance. And on the personal side, my time at General Mills overlapped with Anton's, and I had the pleasure of working on quite a few projects with him and his team. And I was always extremely impressed with his leadership and insight. So I am very excited that he can join us today. Anton, welcome to Three Squares. Thank you guys for having me. When people think of Mars, we oftentimes think of chocolate and confection. But internally, how do you think about the company? What are you in the business of selling at Mars and how does that affect your strategy? We're really in sort of three principal businesses. First is the confections business. We're the largest confectionery company in the world. We're in the pet business. We're the largest pet care company in the world, which includes nutrition uh, but it also includes uh, veterinary health and hospitals. And we also have a fairly large food business around the world, which would be brands like Vince Rice now um, as well. And then, you know, we have actually a small sort of technology and science outfit that we use to help really push us into the future as it relates to science and technology as it relates to food and other things. 
you know, much of the confection business, chocolate gum consumption is really driven by occasions. Could be Halloween, could be Easter, could be other holidays. And we've all heard that during the pandemic, the factoid that breath mints and gum sales dropped a little bit because we had fewer face-to-face engagements. So what has Mars Wrigley done over the last few years to maintain sales as people have isolated? And are there any pandemic actions that you'll continue to use as we continue to move out of COVID? Yeah, a really good question. Well, I mean, our chocolate business got hit initially and then it really bounced back, you know, in pretty aggressive ways. And for the most part, that was because of sort of pack differentiations, meaning we sold more larger sizes because some of that was sort of inventory building on the household side. And so we actually saw a fair amount of consistency as we got through certain stages in, in, in COVID. In our gum business, you know, that's a business that's really built on mobility. It's built on connection. If you cut that connection and cut that mobility, those things have to be in place at some point in the cycle for that business started to come back. And, and fortunately for us, those things are starting to come back. You know, people are getting out. They're being mobile. They're being based on occasions that require that as a problem solve, if you would, whether it's for oral health or for fresh breath. And so we're seeing a lot of normality come back in a very robust way from a category perspective uh, as, as well. On the pet side, you know, there were 11 million pet adoptions in 2020. Mm. And so when you adopt pets, you need to feed them. You need to provide health care for them. You know, it's a bit of a life cycle. And so our pet business was incredibly strong during COVID. And, you know, they're, they're busy trying to hold on to all that strength and obviously trying to build sort of a life cycle relationship with those new pet parents. I'll say for us, for some of the things that we learned is just, you know, I think these are the fundamentals. Look, you need to stay in close connection with your consumers because in the pandemic, we all went through this together. This is not something that most of us have been through before. And so... There was high information seeking needs. Uh, people needed to trust. They needed to trust you, trust your brands, trust your supply chains. <laughs> you know, it was a different understanding around how we connected with customers because now it was, wasn't a function of, look, I want the stuff that I ordered. It was, what can you send me? Because all the, all the supply chains had really been just broken for a while. So, you know, there's been a lot of dislocation of uh, our ability to produce, our ability to get things to a marketplace the underlying commodity pressure you know, that that causes as well, and then a strong dollar as well. And so that causes a lot of interesting conversations between you and the marketplace around, you know, trying to make sure that, that the manufacturing community is healthy enough to produce and to ship, but also to make sure you're still providing value in the marketplace at a, at a very stressed time for most people around the world as well. And so the conversations get really bold, really broad, I think the fact that you're a large global manufacturer with a high value system is very important to us because in good times and bad times, we want to be a good partner. We want to work things out. We want to be mutual. We want to be equitable. And that's something I think that has been enduring from our perspective. I love what you were saying around confections and snacks are definitely having a shining moment right now. You know, prior to the pandemic, we actually saw softness in the sweet space. Mm -hmm. Better for you snacks were really kind of eroding away at that as consumers are trying to figure out how to still snack, but maybe do it in a more healthful way. And now we see the opposite happening because I think the pandemic taught us that there are moments of joy that we need for our emotional health and to cope. But I'm just wondering if you're also seeing that and if you're framing up how you think about confection and the messages to consumers it's a very interesting question. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think one of the things that the pandemic has taught us is that, look, people are really taking a fresher look at life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what does happiness and what does fullness and what does balance really mean to me? 
And therefore, how do I put my choices in context? And yes, maybe this has too much of what I think I don't need, but uh, it comes in small quantities. I don't eat it every day. We're not suggesting that you eat it every day. So I think the way that we do it is to make sure that we understand what we're selling. We think what we're selling uh, is in the context of the balance that I think everybody is trying to seek for life. And then we try to provide choice. I think people understand that. I will say, I think the extra element moving forward is how do we continue to do that in a very sustainable way? And, and making sure that sustainable element is a part of the broader brand proposition. Yeah, I think balance is a, a big name of the game, right? Yes. Other things that I know you're thinking about and doing differently, obviously there was the big shock about, you know, Mars walking away from NASCAR sponsorship. Any comments on where you're headed and what that was yeah, about? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to make some comments on that. First of all, look, we've had a very robust 32-year relationship with NASCAR. I mean, this goes way back, yeah. way back with the business and with the Mars family as individuals. We're very proud of that. I think that has been a great relationship on both sides. You know, the primary brand, at least of late, call it last 10 or 15 years, has been M&M's. And because we see a bigger, broader destination and idea about M&M's, and that bigger and broader destination, it will be inconsistent in terms of what we needed for NASCAR. And so it was less about NASCAR being effective or not being effective. It was we were taking the brand globally. Mm-hmm. You know, we think in a bigger destination, a broader destination, a destination is sort of resting itself on this whole idea around belonging, which we started talking about you know, probably two or three months ago when we actually launched that. And, you know, I think you're going to see some some great things that sort of come out around what that means and how do we attach that to a brand that is uh, it is so elegant, that is so well put together, that is almost diverse by nature, different colors, different shapes. It gives mm-hmm. us a big platform to really make sure that we are applying the scale and the ability to influence on this brand platform. Mm, This sounds very intriguing and exciting. Might be a part two to that. So you might have me back. You know, Anton, I work with some Martians and they are very impressed with your commitment to DEI and to the, the role model that you play as a black leader. And I was just wondering if we could talk about uh, that a little bit with you. I'm, I'm curious what the successes are that you see in this space and your perspective on that role that you play, that very, very important role in the industry? I, I have the fortune and have been blessed to be in the industry for a long time. I have the opportunity to have some power, some influence <laughs> to make sure that in this case in Mars, that we are creating an environment that we can recruit the best and the brightest and the most diverse, and that we can provide those opportunities for people all around the world. I think the great thing about Mars is, uh, look, we're a private company. We tend to look at things in generations and not in quarters. Everything we do is in that frame of mind. And so I think, you know, particularly with DE&I as well. And so, look, we're playing the long game. We're making the right investments for the right reasons. And we have a very much of a global lens around it as well. So it's just important that, that when people are visible, like me, that there's a level of clarity there. Because, you know, companies say one thing and, you know, might not be closing on the things that they say as well. And so I think the thing we look for is consistency. We look for a commitment and we're making sure that look what we say or what we're doing and we're doing it over a longer period of time. That's interesting. My next question was going to be kind of what is the biggest challenge to doing this? What isn't working? And it's like you said, it, it could be lack of consistency and commitment. But are there other things that you call out as being a challenge to um, DI initiatives? Yeah, I think the first thing is just making sure, you know, when you say D and I, what does that mean? I think it has a lot of dimension to it. It has a lot of regionality to it. 
We can take you in other parts of the world and it means very, very different things. So as a global company, I think we have a really good understanding of that. But it's just in a U.S. and North American context. It's obviously race and ethnicity, gender, you know, orientation, those types of things. But first of all, making sure that individuals in the labor marketplace understand that that is a value system that you uphold. That's number one. Number two, and, and this has to happen over time, but you need to have a leadership pipeline that is representative of that. Mm. I know this as a person of color myself, it's like, yep, I understand. I hear it. But do I see it in practice? Got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I hear it and I don't see it in practice and I don't trust. If I don't trust, I'm, I'm probably not coming your way. I'm not going to have the kind of commitment as an associate that I think we strive for as well. So I, I think it's making sure that we have our noses to the ground, that we are connected with the right types of organizations and partnerships that we learn and that we adapt and that we apply. If we learn, adapt and apply, I think we'll get to where we want to get to over time. It doesn't mean it happens overnight. And it's, there's a clear business case for it as well. And so I believe in taking a holistic business approach to these initiatives and, and having tough conversations. I think we have to start off with intent and make sure we're consistent in what we're saying and what we're doing. I think that's the most important thing. I think that's how you attract talent. I think that's how you keep talent. I think that's how you make change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we can't, can't react to situations in the marketplace. You know, we have to be about a certain principle right. and a certain concept and a certain intention about our organization. Walk the talk. Yeah. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I'm interested, Anton, a totally different topic, but putting you on the spot. Sure. What is your favorite Mars product? <laughs> like, what is your, I mean, you know, like, I, I'm just curious because it's always important to kind of know what it is. And Do you have the M&M Adidas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're going to the Adidas now. Okay, let me just say this. I love all my children. <laughs> I know that's why I said I'm putting you on the spot. That's a hard question. That's awesome. That's it's a hard awesome. question. I do love all my children. So, so for everybody's listening, I love all my children. But I will say... I am partial to the peanut M&M's. Good choice. That's fair. I have to control myself while I'm at Mars because I have unusual access to the uh, <laughs> peanut I can only imagine. <laughs> bowls yeah, and right. bowls. I can only imagine. Unusual access to the peanut M&M's. But, uh, but back to Susan's point, you asked about the Adidas M&M's. So let me just talk about that a minute. You know, we think M&M's is a globally power brand. And part of that is how do we connect ourselves with other globally powerful brands in ways that you would not imagine? And so the Adidas collaboration is, is, is one of those things. And they have been phenomenally successful. We've had two launches now and they're completely sold out. We're about to go have another production mm-hmm. run here as well. And that is one example of sort of where we're trying to grow with brand M&Ms. Well, Anton, this has been an amazing conversation. I know that we could probably continue to ask you questions forever, but uh, thank you. It was a great conversation with Anton. What do you guys think? What are you guys thinking from our conversation? I really thought what he said about, uh, you know, brand loyalty and engaging with the brand and continuing to find ways to do that was was spot on. You guys are, are more expert on that than I, but I thought it was really, really interesting. I think a lot of companies now, are, I mean, they're just looking for what where is the next growth area for consumer packaged goods. I mean, and pet is a great example of that where you can gain very good margins and still have the, you know, the, the runway to grow. A, a lot of CPG are moving that way. I think the other thing that was really interesting to me thinking about DTC and the brand is just a couple of things that, that, that Anton was saying about the, the pet business, the pet food business, and the real advantage they have in not being a publicly traded company that has to focus only on quarterly returns, but they really have the opportunity to focus on longer term strategy and make investments that make a difference. And you see that in companies like Mars or Cargill or other privately held companies that have 
the ability to really plan and don't have to worry about explaining things on the next earnings call. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I think that that's, that's their, their metrics are different and you could kind of hear it in a lot of what Anton was talking about is that they're looking much further than some other brands might be even able to, because they're not always looking toward the next quarter when it comes to, you know, deliverables. I think it was also interesting what he talked about, you know, the role that he plays with DEI as a very prominent, highly visible uh, black leader in a global company and the responsibility that he has and, you know, the way that he thinks about diversity and diversity being absolutely essential to solving problems and to having the talent that you want to have and to be able to really compete more successfully. And, um, you know, it, it's a it's a great argument from a business standpoint as well as a social justice standpoint. And so um, you could tell that it was something that he takes very seriously, very personally, but also has demonstrated over over the course of time the role that that a leader can play and the difference a leader can play in that space. And I thought it was interesting that he made the comment that working for a global company, that diversity means different things country by country yep. and just navigating what what that means as a global organization. All right. It's time for another favorite part of everybody's podcast. What the food with our benevolent food nerd, Kevin Ryan. So did I overdo that one? Was that a little, every time you say that it scares me, get Mr. T on to do it. That was good. A little too much. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Highly caffeinated. Could be. All right. What we're going to talk about today are formerly demonized ingredients or particularly one ingredient that have made a comeback that people have all of a sudden said, maybe it wasn't quite as bad as we thought. So, Kevin, clue us in. What are you thinking about? Monosodium glutamate, also known as MSG. That's the one. I mean, you know, when I was growing up and you still see it on menus, you know, this is not made with MSG. We do not use MSG. Although there is a, I wouldn't even say it's an underground movement anymore. There is a very bold movement to bring MSG back into uh, a good light, so to speak. Um, and I think, I think that's good because it really was uh, unfairly demonized. And what was the original claim? I mean, I heard people, oh, it gives me headaches. It does this. I mean, it's kind of like the, yeah. you know, the, the gluten du jour, right? I mean, it's, it's whatever the, whatever the allergy is of the day. Yeah. It all started, uh, most of the sensitivity or the talk of sensitivity started in 1968. There was a letter written uh, in to the journal, uh, the New New England Journal of Medicine. It was like a letter to the editor. And it was very blatantly a racist comment that was written into the editor saying, I get Chinese food syndrome, Chinese restaurant syndrome, and literally was propagated that way. So, I mean, this, this idea, this fear of MSG has some racist roots to it. And I think people have really come around to the idea that number one, MSG is very natural. I mean, it's most of the foods, I wouldn't say most of the foods, a lot of the foods that you really enjoy, uh, tomatoes, Parmesan cheese, that kind of, that's natural MSG. Seaweed. Huh. If you've ever had sushi, you've had MSG because it's in the seaweed. If you've ever had pizza, mm-hmm. there's definitely MSG naturally occurring in it. All MSG, monosodium glutamate is, is the, uh, it, it's the extraction, the, you know, the, the, the purification of that MSG into a, a salt, basically. So it is, uh, you know, if you've ever heard umami, it provides umami, which is basically savoriness. Interesting. Well, and I've, I've shared with both of you my, my private butt recipe, my rub recipe, and it includes MSG. So it does. If anybody's interested, shoot me a note and I'll, I'll send you the recipe, but it does include MSG. We've never partaken of Charlie's butt. So I mean, he's never shared his butt with us, so we wouldn't know. And have you ever made it without MSG? Have you ever made it without MSG? No. Oh. oh, maybe Kevin and I should come over and you should make it with and without and we'll have a blind taste test. Yeah. 
<laughs> Three Squares Dishing on the Food Industry is created and hosted by Charlie Arnott, Susan Schwally, and Kevin Ryan. Thanks to Anton Vincent for joining us on today's episode. And thanks for General Mills for the support of this podcast. If you would like to join us in supporting and sponsoring Three Squares, you can reach out to us at threesquaresmail at gmail.com. That's the numeral three, squaresmail at gmail.com. And in addition to reaching our audience, you also get a private 90-minute consultation with the Three Squares. Special thanks to our producers, Dave Beezing and Jason Jackson at Soundbit Brands. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. Please like us and share with your friends because we want to continue to grow the Three Squares audience. Food is our passion. We are glad it is yours as well. We'll set the table again soon on Three Squares. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.